This is Tales from the Quarantine. Uh, welcome back to uh, Tales from the Quarantine. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Jillian, and uh, she has basically had her ear to everything that's been going on in the, in the world these days, I guess. How, how would you say about that? Um, well, um, it's been an interesting six months so far, that's for sure. Um, I already was actually, so I, I, um, I actually was already off on EI when all of this hit, when the COVID hit, the pandemic. And mm -hmm. uh, so I was kind of already trained at how to live on very little and being grounded to my own space, really. Um, so it didn't come as, I feel like I was, I was almost, almost prepared already. Um, it's been hard because I am a, I'm a black woman and mm -hmm. I'm living in a town that is predominantly white. And so pandemic wise, it's been hard for me, I found, because it made me really open my eyes to, I guess, the lack of supplies that I personally need in my own community. Um, I've had to make decisions whether it was sensible for me to go into a more COVID prone area like Toronto to get my necessities, you know, do I risk it for these things or do I, you know, what do I do? So that really opened my eyes to a lot of, um, I guess, race related things in my area. And then all of a sudden, all of these other issues started coming up with, um, you know, basically another black men being shot while jogging and all these different, you know, things that we're seeing and protesting. And so it's been a lot. It's been a lot on my mental state, I guess, but I'm trying to stay positive. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. Because uh, just if we take out everything, mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic itself mm -hmm. is incredibly taxing on everyone's mental health and mental well-being. And then right. just everything that has happened just explosively. Like it just, right. it, like I, I described it as a, a pot of boiling water that just boiled over exactly it's it's been boiling for a while but it finally breached the top of the pot and uh and that's just compounded issues i can understand for for you like i'm not um a person of color i'm as europeanly white as you can get okay. but uh my my family is first nations and i i've seen um how how that can affect uh, okay. affect uh, how you go about day day to day. Absolutely. And <laughs> I've uh, been. It's very interesting um, uh, when you see, uh, like, as a as a white man myself, mm -hmm. when uh, you see the how people interact with me. Yeah. Um, and then I mentioned, oh yeah, my especially with in, in Canada, we have a there's a huge. Uh, a huge systemic issue with uh, right. a racism towards first nations. You know, something happens like earlier, right before the pandemic, there was the night nationwide shutdown uh, yeah. from the uh, wet sweating uh, first nation, then over here in Tandanaga. Yeah. And that just kind of went out from there. Yeah. And when people see it's like, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada natives. And you're like, well, my family's native and they're like oh, right. oh, oh, I oh, oh, oh. It's, it's it's interesting right what people will be willing to say to somebody who they think is not connected and then how they act once they realize you have a connection 
They do a lot of backpedaling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of First Nations, because I am very active on, you know, those protests as well. Um, one of the things, so my son, I have a 17, well, he's going to be 17 in September, but my son, I made sure that during this time we've sat down and had conversations about things that I know he wouldn't necessarily learn in school. And so one of the things that I sat him down to discuss was the fact that Indigenous people have been asking for clean water for a long time. And to now see the government basically handing all this money out to people saying, yeah, we know some of you don't deserve it. We'll figure it out later. While the Indigenous are still sitting there saying, um, hi, hi, we're still, what is this? And so I said to my son, I said, you know, we are now one of the families that this month was our first month having to go to the emergency response benefit. And I said to him, I said, we have to survive. We are going to accept the help. But when the four months is over, for some people as it is already, they're going to look to the government demanding more money. And I said, and rightfully, the indigenous should be getting their water before anybody else gets more money. Meanwhile, we're not gonna see that happen. And I said to my son, that's not right. Um, you need to pay attention to some of these things that are going on, but it's not a reason for you to walk through the world angry either. It is a reason for you to learn and try to make change and stand up for what is right. Yeah. And well, my, my wife's uh, reserve is on a boil water advisory and it's not a remote reserve. It's in yeah. central Ontario. Yep. <laughs> it's it's yep. a rather well-off um, reserve when you compare it to uh, Northern reserves, which I've right. been to and it, right. they're like third world countries. Right. And it's, it's like night and day. And I can just imagine like her, her, uh, her reserve is locked down. It's uh if you're not living there, like you don't have a permanent residence there, you're not allowed in. Or if you don't work there, or if you don't have an actual, like real reason to be there. Right. 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 Like they had a bunch of people who go there in the summertime. Like they have cottage cottagers there from Toronto and, mm -hmm. and the, the, the GTA. And yeah, they're just saying no, you can't come in. Like they stop them right past the gas stations because yep. they need commerce yep. and gas is cheaper on a reserve because of uh, oh, yeah. tax People reasons. People were mad about their cigarettes. They were really mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, there it's it's like they like they put up the this uh, checkpoint basically right. saying check people's IDs or their cars or however they they do it. Well, I haven't been right. been back there since it started because I don't want to in case of risk of infection. Of course. And they're checking IDs. Um, so they're, they've already had people blow past it early, early on and they had to have the, the local police chase right. them and escort them out. Right. Right. And they're a bit lucky cause it's a, they're, they don't have a throughway. It's you drive the road in, you have to take that road out. So okay. fair enough. That's good for that but, reason. Anyway. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised that more places haven't started that style of, um, pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. How is um life where you're at right now? I know everything's getting back to normal, but yes, it is. Um, <laughs> See how long that lasts. And that's that's exactly it. Like things are definitely going back to normal, and it concerns me to be honest. My my joke is okay. You let those people go out there and have their fun, and you know, in a couple months from now, if they're okay, then maybe I'll leave my house. You know, um, I just see people and, and this is, I think, another difficulty is when you see some of the things that people are protesting, you've got people protesting haircuts and you've got people protesting wanting to go to the beach and then you've got people protesting for their freedom. 
And so that's another thing that you're really looking at people's, I guess, what's the word? Um, I don't even want to say um, necessities because some of the necessities that are being protested, I mean, we can live with it live without, you know, if your hair's too long, like, is it really worth protesting? But um, it's, it's interesting here. It's nice to see the kids going back to the park, but they're being careful. So, you know, you're not seeing too many piles of people just yet, which is good. But it's, it's concerning to me, to be honest, because I, I know that this isn't over. Yeah. And they're just finding out that, like, you might be have the you might have had COVID. Right. And then two months later, you can get reinfected with it because your antibodies have dissipated. Right. And that's the scary part. Absolutely. Like, and everyone, there's a common theme that I've found that people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. It, it only kills blah, blah, blah percent, mm -hmm. which of known infections, it kills over 5% of people that get it. That's known mm -hmm. infections. Mm -hmm. Now we can assume that twice that amount are asymptomatic. You know, let's just, let's just assume that double the number. Right. Right. That's over, that's about 3% of people rounded up. Right. And the Spanish flu killed 3% of all infected people. Yep. And that, that killed up to a hundred million people. Yep. So like, we're going to get back to normal and they went yep. back to normal and then they ended up getting, you know, almost a hundred million people dead. That's a very liberal estimate of the uh, death toll hundred years yep. ago. Cause no one actually knows. Right. And I feel, especially with how everything's going on south of the border. Yeah. That, yep. uh, like th this is going to get much worse before it gets better. Yeah. And we're already seeing that start in certain places down in the United States. Absolutely. I think what they the last couple of days, they've been trending about 30,000. I know. Infected cases. I put the news on. And when I heard that I had to turn it off because I just thought, Oh, good Lord. Yeah. And I can understand how uh, the mass protesting that's been going on down there has yeah. probably contributed uh, a considerable number of that. But you also have to wonder how the police response to a lot of that protesting yep. has helped spread that illness. Absolutely. Um, I did see a I did see an article which actually showed surprisingly um, after the protests they actually didn't see the numbers rocket as high as they thought. Um, however, of course, that's going to affect things. All of these people so close together, and I think that's another thing is you know people are saying well why are they protesting then. And I think what people need to understand is when you feel like you are fighting for your life, for your for your rights, for your freedoms, those things kind of come to the back burner because in order to even try and survive this pandemic, we still have to try and survive all of these other things, you know? And so, you know, when people start talking about kids not being able to go to their graduations and then there's people protesting and it frustrates them, I mean, well, my our, our kids aren't going to graduation either we're dealing with covid as well and we're dealing with everything else on top of that and so um, i think the main thing that i've been wanting people to pay more attention to is i think that we have a major mental health issue um i think we have a major mental health issue and i think that working for the police as a civilian and being a person of color um i think you're you're dealing with different groups that have traumas and now they're both kind of feeling vulnerable and exposed. And instead of people seeing this and saying, okay, this person's obviously not well. You know, when you, when you say, how can a person do this? Well, they don't think like you and I, because in some way they're not well. 
And I just feel like even when it comes to people wanting to go out there and do things that they're not supposed to because there's a pandemic, it still comes down to, I feel like we're kind of in a psychological warfare zone right now, you know, and people just aren't well and they're not thinking. I don't think everybody's thinking straight and that needs to be people. Need, we need to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And the there's a, I don't know if it's always been this way, but in the last few decades, there's been a trend to have police be Swiss army knives. Mm -hmm. You know, they're there to enforce the law. They're there to uh, do um, uh, resolution of co conflict resolution mm -hmm. uh, of minor conflicts. Mm -hmm. And, and they're there to do mental health mm -hmm. uh, screenings for people. Mm -hmm. And, We've seen this in the last few weeks, how mm -hmm. up here in Canada, down in the United States, how yeah. this is not yeah. ideal. Yeah. And we've been seeing it for a long time, but it's really come to the forefront. Now you have, there's some cities in Canada, some cities in the United States, which have piloted um, mental health teams where you have a police officer and a mental health professional team up because they saw some severe improvement yeah. um, to their their responses and lack mm -hmm. of uh, violent outcome. Cause really mm -hmm. what a police officer has, you know, they have like two tools in their toolkit really to deal yeah. with these people. Yeah. They talk with them, try yeah. and talk them down and, yeah. and then they switch to using force. Right. The, and their ability to talk someone down is really not as keen as it would be for someone who is trained in psychology. I agree. So you have these police officers who are out responding to calls and they're always on edge because you never know what your call is going to be. Like Absolutely. there's a number of times these, these police officers have been shot conducting a regular traffic stop for a, yep. a taillight out. Yep. So you have that end of the spectrum. Yep. And then you have um, who are, well, I can't even really discuss it cause I don't, I don't experience it. Mm -hmm. But from what I've seen in, in all uh, social media, you're walking on eggshells out there, especially around the police because of profiling. Yes. And, and that is coming from somebody who also worked as a civilian with the police. Um, so if that means anything, I, people would assume that I feel safe or I feel protected. And I don't. Um, people think we don't have racism in Canada. I deal with these things on a daily basis. You know, I've been spat on. Uh, my father was an inspector when my sister and him were six cops after we moved to this town, had them at gunpoint and wouldn't even allow my dad to pull his badge out until they had him on the floor and then realized that he was actually superior to them. All over them thinking my sister was stealing something and she is one of the head people for the Toronto District School Board. You know, she is the last person that's going to ever, you know. Um, so it, it, the things that we face on a daily basis we almost become uh, programmed that we don't really even, we just want to get on with our day because it's already, we already have to um, go above and beyond, you know, for people to look past the stereotypes and realize that, oh, this person actually deserves my respect. Or it's, it's very strange. It's very strange, but mm -hmm. it's difficult. It's not an easy time, but I'm happy to be alive for it because I think COVID wise and protest wise, like everything going on, I think we're going to see change um, that is very much needed. And I think the biggest thing that we all have to learn right now is a little bit of empathy. 
for mm-hmm. every, every mother earth included, you know, we have to be able to take ourselves out of our own shoes. It's not what you believe or what you don't believe. Just be able to sit down and listen to someone talk and try and, you know, understand as opposed to becoming defensive, you know, trying to use this time even to learn some of these things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think that if it, this wasn't uh, COVID times, these these protests um, wouldn't be this big. I, I, I think, think you're right, because we're all kind of, a lot of us are just idle right now. There's a yeah. lot of people working from home. A lot of people are unemployed. Yeah. And they have a lot of time on their hands, and a lot of them are taking it to be active. Right. And I'd like to bring it back to what you were saying about being programmed. I've watched some videos recently that uh, came across my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have actually posted uh, one or two of them. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a video that I caught my eye of, um, like a, I believe he was like 10 years old or 10 or 11-year-old child playing basketball in his driveway. Mm-hmm. And he notices a police cruiser drive past and he hides behind his SUV. Mm-hmm. And his father was like, I, I don't, I've, I never taught him this. I don't know where this is coming from. And he, his father had no idea where his, his own kid got that idea that he has to hide from the police. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I've never experienced anything like that. So how, like, do you think your kids would be, are similar in that response? Or do you think, like, well, how, how do you think that would be? It's funny because when people usually ask, um, like if somebody were to ask you, um, have you had the talk with your kid? That usually is the sex talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with black people, the talk is, have you sat down with your kids and explained if a police officer ever stopped you, how to react, how to behave, what to say, what to do? Um, and so I've always raised my son to keep your hands out of your pockets, keep your hood off your head, make sure people are clear of what you're doing so they're not mistaking you for doing anything. Um, through COVID, when the parks were closed, and um, you know, people weren't supposed to be there. You'd see a few kids going out there and playing anyway. And my son would say, "Can I go practice?" Because he's hoping to get a basketball scholarship. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, Can I, go? I said, "My issue is this: I am seeing articles everywhere about um, you know b- black kids that are being approached by the police or being approached by citizens of the communities, giving them a hard time, reporting them, thinking they're up to no good, while there's all of these other children that are not of color." And nobody's bothering them. And so, you know, through COVID, I've even said to my son before the protests, I've said, I'm sorry, but I can't let you do it because if a police officer comes and asks why you're there, even if you say, well, look at all these white kids, the point is you're not supposed to be there. So you're still in the wrong. You know, it's it's always those extra steps that we have to take. And so that little boy, um, yeah, it's it's part of the programming that he saw this somewhere. And if I can even take it one step further, like in this community, my son had come home at 10 years old, upset about a program they were doing about anti, you know, bullying and don't do drugs. And, you know, those programs where it's teaching kids, you know, what not to get into. Yeah. And he came home upset one day because they had used a video that was predominantly black kids. And it was all this rap music and there was all this drugs and guns and you know, and it was something that you would never see in this particular community. And so he was upset because he came home at 10 years old, concerned that his friends are going to see that video and 
now see him with his cousins or a group of other black people and assume that they're up to no good or get intimidated. And so, you know, it's almost in a way, again, being shown to these kids and nobody's taking responsibility because I'll tell you, they showed that video for seven years after I asked to just see it and nobody would let me see this video. And finally this year, they've told us that as of last year, they've removed it. And it's just, so for seven years, you know, these kids were watching this video that looks nothing like their community. And so who has to take responsibility for these kids having these assumptions about people? You know, we got to take responsibility of what's being shown in the schools, what's being taught, what's not being taught. Um, because a lot of these things, even just through implication, will make a kid react. And that, that video broke my heart because mm -hmm. right now, I'm not comfortable leaving the house. I just feel like anybody is going to say, people just have always shown me that I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm not a big enough piece of the pie up here to be considered. I, I don't even, I don't even, I, it's just, it's, it's very unsettling. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. It, 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 it subconsciously uh, like programs people. Mm -hmm. it's like seeing if you see certain um, groups of people, like we saw it after uh, September 11th, mm -hmm. like every single bad guy was Arabic. Yep. yep. They're There's a Muslim. A yep. And like, I, I saw it, like I, I deployed to Afghanistan. I was over yep. there. I never yep. saw them as bad people. Yep. Um, in fact, I, li I quite liked a couple of them, <laughs> the ones I interacted with, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have other people who never went or yeah. experienced worse things than I did, but yeah. predominantly they, they have their reasons for, for that because of what they went through. But, exactly. but then you have people who never went, just saw things on the media through the uh, movies or television yeah. shows or the yeah. news. Yeah. And they had this predetermined um, hatred. Yeah. And it was totally unjustified. But yeah. it was programmed into them mm -hmm. in the post 9-11 culture. Mm -hmm. Like before, most terrorists were like Eastern European, mm -hmm. like diehard. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, even if you look at serial killers, right? Like statistically, who who are they, right? And and that's it. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. They're predominantly white men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And scientifically we don't really know why it's yeah. predominantly them but yeah it, yeah. it is uh, um it, it's 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 just so strange sometimes when you look at the differences between how situations are treated based on race as well mm -hmm. you know um yeah it's a different time <laughs> you know um it, this isn't we're, i'm not out here saying you know i'm mad at white people or or white people like it, it's not, it's about us moving forward. And so soon enough, we're all going to be mixed. And I think when we mix, we're just beautiful. I love it. And unless um, we do the South Park, uh, <laughs> what South Park did, and we have to go back in time and take everyone's jobs. Oh, see, I didn't even, I didn't even, <laughs> I stopped watching South Park when they started taping black people to the plane when they went into war in that movie about 10 or oh. 20 years ago. Yeah, that was for me. But, uh, and, and that did happen, but, uh, well, not tying us to planes, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, but I think learning, I think they need to put 
all of our history into the curriculum. So again, we don't end up repeating the same mistakes. Yeah, we need to look at our uh, the the bad side of our history. We yes. need to look at in World War Two. We did exactly what the Americans did. We took Japanese Canadians, took their possessions, yep. and yep. sent them into concentration camps. Yep. And that's what we did. That's what the Americans did. That's what we did. Except for after the war, we were only allowing them to resettle in one of three cities, Vancouver, Toronto, or Montreal. It doesn't matter if you're from small town Canada, you have farm, whatever. You now go to Vancouver, Montreal, or, or Toronto. Mm-hmm. And we need to look at what we we as a, as a people have done. And we've, we have done some strides in this with regards mm-hmm. to uh, what we've done to First Nations. Yeah. Um, but we need to do a lot more there. And we need to look at what we did to the Chinese for the Chinese head tax. Like I remember touching on this in school, like a little bit here, but it wasn't really, we didn't really learn about it. We thought, Oh yeah, we put a head tax on the Chinese for them to come to Canada. It's like, okay, well what, what else happened? Right. And, uh, and we have like, there's, we have to look what we did to the, uh, the Acadians, like what the rather the British did after the, um, The defeat of the French in North America is they re- forcibly relocated the Acadians to the Gulf Coast, which is now you have Louisiana and all that stuff and that culture down there. But you ha- like there's, there's a lot of things that in our country is not good, but we need to know about it. We need to so know about it, yeah. We grow. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone's like, oh yeah, we were the final destination for the Underground Railroad and we are we didn't go on a bent of exterminating everybody it's like yeah but we did a lot of horrible things well you know something that is very frustrating for me um that i that i bring up often when people say you know why you know you weren't you weren't part of slavery why are you so angry um people people get to call me by my slave name every day you know i will never know my true history and that's something that people need to really open up their eyes and see that that's that's insanity you know um especially with all of these i'm like it's great that you have the dna kits and whatnot but it's nice to be able to sit down with your family and talk about your ancestors and it only goes back so far for us um i remember even one day my son had to go to school and do a project where he came home and went and made a family tree and it was to come back and show how many um veterans we had in our family and mm-hmm. so when he went back to school and it said that we didn't have anyone that fought, they sent him home and says, no, 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 that can't be right. Go back home and do your, do your homework. And I said, well, hold on. We're not from here. You know, my, my parents were born in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And so, no, we, we didn't fight for Canada at that point. We weren't even here. And so, you know, again, there he felt excluded, like, well, no, you must. Like, you're not like the rest of us. And, you know, for those reasons, you know, it's just, it, it's so strange. Meanwhile, my, my mom remembers giving money for poppies in Trinidad because it was under England, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we supported, but we didn't fight. And it doesn't mean that we don't love the country that we're in, but we need to understand how this country came to be what it is and respect everyone and all of the work and what we do with it going forward. <laughs> yeah. And especially right now, since we're facing a global pandemic, which can yeah. cause the death of millions if it goes yeah. unchecked. Yeah. And which, if the president of the United States has his way, 
will go completely unchecked for 320 million people. Mm-hmm. And that is like, sir. Yeah. Like, we have a common enemy right now. We should band together and fight it instead of fighting Absolutely. each other. But that's Absolutely. not human nature. Absolutely. That's exactly it. <laughs> that's exactly it. Humans will, will stop seeing the minute differences that don't make any uh, difference really in terms of people when we get invaded by aliens, which I think's around August. <laughs> August or September. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like this whole whole thing down in the United States and in Canada and in Ireland and in the UK and over in 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 South Korea and Japan, this whole movement, um the the Black Lives Matter movement is global, which is really nice to see. It is so amazing to see the diversity this time around. Absolutely. And I, I really hope it gets some legs. Um, yeah. And couple, it's been basically nonstop protesting for a month at this point. It has. I have family down there. And though you haven't seen as much on the news, there's, there's a lot of good happening. Um, I have had interviews in my community about how it is being a person of color here, what it, what it's, what it feels like, like my story is now being heard. Um, there's a lot of changes that I'm seeing companies that are stepping forward and saying, you know what, we shouldn't have been doing this. You've said this for a while, but well, now we need to listen. Um, and so we're seeing change. We're mm-hmm. seeing change. Yeah. I think some of the biggest change and most surprising change is uh, coming out of NASCAR mm-hmm. and uh, their, their whole, uh, support there when it was suspected mm-hmm. uh, of someone purposely hanging a noose in one of the garages mm-hmm. and the whole banning of the, uh, you know, the Confederate battle flag, yeah. Yeah. which I really don't understand the whole, it's my heritage thing around that, that, that thing existed. Like mm-hmm. star Wars has been around longer. Mm-hmm. World war two lasted longer than the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Like, I come on. That as well. like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like That's Germans exactly aren't it. proud of their nope. history there. Nope. So nope. why are, why are Southerners, at least not all of them, obviously it's a, yep. Yep. it's a smaller number every day, but yeah, yeah. I, I yep. just don't get it. No. So strange. And you know, it's, uh, it's also interesting because I believe we had a brief conversation about what happened with Bubba Wallace there. Um, you know, there's still people that are upset because though we know it wasn't directed now that we know it wasn't directed at him some people have taken a sigh of relief and been like okay well it wasn't at him but you know now that they've released a picture of it 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 was definitely a noose and where my upset where i get upset is before he went into that garage you know it would have been nice if somebody had gone through cleaned it out they could have found that he wouldn't have had to deal with that trauma um, well, because it wasn't even him that found it and reported no, it to NASCAR, which is Correct. which is really Correct. nice to see. Exactly, exactly. And it wasn't him that pushed for an investigation. It was NASCAR. Absolutely. NASCAR brought in the FBI, and yep. it was really nice to see NASCAR rally yep. around him. Yeah. And now it's you see, like I, I I'm a member of certain uh, of certain groups because of my my uh, my past deployment, mm-hmm. um, and there's a diversity of people on all these groups, but you're seeing some of these people vocal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, now he's, he's a liar and, and all this stuff. And it's like, hold on a minute. Crazy. I know. 
No, he's not. Mm-hmm. But you know, it you you can't fix stupid, but you can exactly. kind of try and educate it. Exactly. And well, I guess you can't fix stupid overnight, but you can educate stupid yes. so that they become not stupid. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's well. Uh, uh, this is what I said about Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan wasn't, uh, you know, we go in there, we defeat the Taliban, right. we change the country around, we get out. Mm-hmm. It's a multi generational conflict. It's going to mm-hmm. take one or two more generations before right. we even figure out if we won. Right. Um, it's because it, it, it there's so much wrong with that um, with the education system there and everything. Right. Okay. The same thing's going to happen yeah. to to this. Because you have to fix how people are educated. Absolutely. And you have to change people's mindsets. We're already seeing the results of of this that yeah. were laid in the 70s and 80s yeah. and 90s, how people started to change their, their tone, yeah. but slowly. And now it's seeing accelerated. Yeah. And hopefully, um, hopefully the kids being brought up now are seeing yeah. this yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna realize that if their parents are, you know, racist, that they're, you know pardon my language here, full of shit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I will also say that, again, with my sister being part of the school board, she's already been contacted and asked to go to a predominantly white private school and try to make changes. Um, There was about 20 moms of um, black and biracial children who the police department in this town sat down and had a Zoom conference with and said, okay, what what do we need to do? You know, they're reaching out and they're saying, we see where we screwed up. We see what we need to do more of, but we need your help because we're not in your shoes. And uh, so I am loving to see the moves that they're trying to make. But like you said, it's going to take it's going to take a bit. But there's a huge shift in how things were being done six months ago. I mean, huge. You can already see it starting. And so when yeah. people say, why do we protest? Well, because when we start, you know, stomping our feet, then people are like, "Hey, make it quiet, make it quiet." You know, hopefully, change is going to come from it. Well, you, you just got to go back to uh, when uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick—I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly—when yep. um, he started kneeling during the national anthem. Yeah. People took huge offense to that, and yep. he was protesting exactly what people are protesting now. Exactly, peacefully. At and he, all he's doing is kneeling. Yes. He's not disrespecting anyone, despite what some people like to say. Yes. Um, he's not disrespecting the U.S. flag. He wasn't disrespecting yep. the U.S. anthem. And he wasn't disrespecting veterans. Do you know the history of the U.S. anthem? It I is know, and well, so, I know the guy wrote it when during the Battle of Baltimore, during right. the War of 1812. I don't know okay. much more about it other than that. Okay, you can Google it. Um, but it is based on slavery and um, they so much had to take a big part of it out. So again, just Google, you know, the history of the American anthem. And so when people were even saying he was disrespecting the anthem, I said, it's funny because even if he were, you can't really, you can't really blame him when, when he's expected to stand for an anthem that was written based on people being enslaved, you know? Um, yeah. 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 And this, this goes back to my comment earlier about the, the boiling pot of water. Mm-hmm. And I, I, cause I, I just thought there was a perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing is like the, is 
a boiling pot of water. They put it on the on the stove. They filled it with water, mm-hmm. and it boiled and boiled and boiled. And the boiling was the predominantly peaceful protesting, right? You know, kneeling during the anthem, marching in the streets, all that stuff. And then finally, it boiled over, which we happened a month ago, right? For a, like a it's happened before and nothing was really done. Now it's boiling over again and hopefully things change. And people, uh, certain people have decided not to remove that pot from the stove. Other people have turned down the heat and brought the boiling back inside and people are still protesting peacefully. Some people are protesting uh, not so peacefully, but the police are not actually responding uh, quite well to the peaceful protests in many areas. And, with luck, uh, they'll be able to take that pot off the stove mm-hmm. and we won't have any more boiling water. But I fear, uh, I feel that that's going to be uh, a little while down the road because yep. there's a lot of unlearning of things Absolutely. and learning of new things that need to take place before that Absolutely. happens. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So now to bring this all the way back to COVID, um, just one, do you, do you think the fact that COVID, uh, had hit uh, two months, three months or so before this whole explosion of protesting against uh, police brutality and racial injustice. Do you feel that uh, the fact that we have a global pandemic and people are on edge already, do you think that played a big factor in how people responded globally? Um, I think it's, it's almost like what, thing people have so much time right now that they're they almost can't turn away from certain things they're hearing things they normally would not have necessarily noticed whether it be on the news or their you know social media or conversation um i don't know if to say covid made it worse because i've been i guess an activist and peacefully protesting for way um and um I think the fact that a lot of people, like when you look at kids, you ground them. Some kids get sent to their room and all they can do is keep coming up with reasons, shouting out the door at the parents going, well, so-and-so did this, so I don't know why he's not in trouble. Well, you know, and they're still trying to blame. Or then there's mm-hmm. the, the ones that will be grounded in their room and they're not doing that, but they're making a list going, okay, well, when I get out of here, I'm going to take care of this person and this person and this person because it's their fault. But then you've got the group that this is my room. This is where my stuff is. So I'm comfortable. I got what I need. If I don't, I figure out a way to get it. And I do the best with what I have. And so me personally, not working right now, this has allowed me to be more active within my community in a good way. It's allowed Mm -hmm. me to do a lot more learning, which is why I think more people are open to learning these things now that they have the time. Um, And so I think... I think COVID didn't help it, but at the same time, COVID didn't really hurt it either. You know, when you see some of these conspiracy theories out there, which I'm not really big into those, <laughs> sometimes I can't even say some of it makes sense. And I'm like, you know what, if, if, if somehow that happened, well, you know what, certain things had to happen anyway, and some of these things are going to happen now because of it. And so I think right now, the biggest thing that's crazy is not knowing what is true <laughs> or who to listen to. Like, where do we get our information from? And I think I think that's the hardest part is mentally, some people maybe did get more involved or more angry because of 
COVID, but I can't speak for everybody. I know it didn't make me more angry. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And completely with regards to uh, access to information, uh, accurate information. Because there's so much crap on the internet that people just push out there and you got media that are just first to, first to publish, first to publish. And they've lost they've lost respect for the truth. Right, exactly. And you know what? The, the X-Files are right. The truth is out there. You just have to know where to find it. And unfortunately, too many people get their truth, yes. quote unquote, from yes. one source, and they don't mm -hmm. try and find multiple sources for it. Exactly, which is so strange in a world of Google or, or Bing, you know, because that's yeah. the thing. Sometimes people ask me questions like, well, where did you get that? And it's just a matter of Google. I'll just put on my microphone and say some long run on sentence. And sure enough, there is a bunch of information, you know, we can fact check for ourselves. But, you know. For some reason, people, some people need to be led. Some people need to be told. And yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. It's uh, been 20 minutes longer than expected, but that was a good conversation. <laughs> it really was. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Okay, everybody, stay home, stay healthy.